0: To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weightloss. That's plushcare.com slash weightloss.
1: This is the Mark Boris Podcast.
0: Welcome to the Mark Boris Show, where I talk with different small business owners each week and every week, about their stories, their challenges, their successes, and uh, hopefully, if they've got something for me to answer, I'll be able to answer that well as well. This week, we're going green, talking to two business owners who create and sell natural, organic, and eco friendly products. Our first guests are Chris Matthews and Kieran Harrison from Little Urchin, a new natural sunscreen brand that sells in 150 stores around Australia, and they only launched a year ago. And I'm actually very interested to hear their story. Then, We're going to talk with Irene Falcone from Nourish Life, an online marketplace for organic, natural, sustainable, environmentally friendly health products. She deals in skincare, health and beauty, clothing and a whole heap more. First up, Chris first thought of the idea of a natural sunscreen after his daughter came home from daycare one day smelling of the chemicals in the sunscreen that they'd applied and he thought it wasn't very healthy. He joined in with business partner Kieran and after months, well, probably years of development, launched into Little Urchin Natural Sunscreen last year. That's one year ago. So what I want to talk to you about, guys, is the whole story, and maybe I was going to start with you, Chris, the whole story as to how new products, new services, a lot of times get launched out of a problem or the sense of a problem. What was the problem you sensed? Yeah, thanks, Mark. Well,
1: certainly um, my daughter used to come home caked in the stuff, caked in chemical sunscreen. and, And I knew enough about the chemicals from family, friends, people who were in the health industry who'd always told me that the chemicals in sunscreens aren't very good to put on your body. Is that like parabens and those sorts of things? Yeah, oxybenzones, preservatives, et cetera. And your skin is your biggest organ, so 80% of what you put on it ends up in your bloodstream. So after doing a fair bit of research and starting to think about that problem magnified over, you know, the first her days at daycare and then I guess the next sort of 18 years of her life and then her whole lifetime, it started to really come home to roost just what, that impact could be on her. I had always known that for myself as well, but it never, it never drove me to take action. But when I saw it on my daughter, that's when I really decided to, to do something. And, you know, what I initially did was some research into it. Um, I started to look at, you know, what those chemicals were, what the impact was, um, and then i went and tried a bunch of the natural products that were out on market so i went and bought all of the natural products i could buy in australia i then went and bought all the natural products that i could find around the world and got them shipped in problem research i love it yep Go on. Uh, and my inevitably it always ended with my daughter in floods of tears when i put these Natural sunscreens on her. Um, Why is that? Why did she cry? They they were incredibly thick. She hated the feel of them. They were really greasy, and the whole process of putting it on, she just really didn't like. That's when I started to think maybe there was something that I could do do better, do differently.
0: So So, I mean, these are all the hallmarks of um, innovation. By the way, these are the hallmarks of innovation: problem, research. I can do better. Yeah, pretty simple, but. They are the total hallmarks of innovation. I
1: certainly never thought that I was going to end up where we are now with this product. It was more of a passion project to start, and with a, another dear friend of mine, not Kieran, we decided that we were going to try creating our own sunscreen and do it a bit different. So we we entered a Breaking Bad phase where we ended up with mountains of zinc oxide on our kitchen tables, and we were and who was Heisenberg? Which one of you? Yeah. <laughs> We were cooking up every night, um, you know, after work, we were getting together and it was a real nice little routine and ritual that we thoroughly enjoyed, but we were sure that the neighbors were going to peep through and think that it was a serious meth lab or something. But, um, and that process went for about six months. Um, and we came to the realization that the product that we had made, whilst it was nice, it was only ever going to be so good. And that was as far as we could take it as complete novices. So, um that's when that business partner decided he didn't want to be getting into the sunscreen business. And I was left with the choice of whether I create a product that one, you can create products that operate under the law that aren't TGA approved, Therapeutic Goods Administration approved, or I could legitimize the product and go through the very laborious and expensive
0: process of getting a product TGA approved. Regulations. Regulation, the exactly. the, uh, the greatest impediment to innovation.
2: Right, right. So we've been through
0: steps one, two, and three, and inevitably step fucking four arrives. called call regulation. That's it. It. It's
2: about ten steps in that step yeah. four. Yeah,
0: yeah,
1: and and a year and a half at least. Um, and money and a lot of money. That was difficult to get my head around, and that was took quite a bit of time to get myself motivated to really go and build that momentum, find a path through, find the right people, the right team to make that patience take that. Yeah, exactly. Exactly, and I mean certainly when when my dear friend decided he didn't want to be a part of it, it was a real challenge for me because a lot of that motivation of doing it with somebody, that fun that I had experienced in formulating, suddenly went out the window. The need for partnership. That's right. Yeah, absolutely, and um, and I had to sort of you know really rally myself every day to 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 build some momentum, get that snowball moving and um, that took some time, but I was fortunate enough to find some of the, some of the best formulators in Australia and a really great team to bring that to life. There's two of you, right? Kieran's your partner? Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. So, how did Kieran get involved? So, it became very clear to me once that formulation journey was well underway and and um, we had that right team in place that there was a huge gap in my knowledge from a category A product perspective. Um, uh, So I actively started to seek out, I guess, somebody that would fill that gap. What was it? What's
0: the gap? What was the skill, or what what it was that you're trying to fill?
1: Well, launching a product,
0: I'd never launched. What's the skill you needed?
1: Yeah, I, I needed. I I didn't have any category insights. I didn't know how to build a brand, the hierarchy, all of the due diligence that needed to come before launching. Um, I didn't have that. I guess I was looking for somebody to help connect all the dots, allow me to get everything in order to give us the very best opportunity of success once we launched. And um, very quickly, uh, Kieran was a very dear friend of a mutual friend of mine. And I'd met him a couple of times. And um, and this mutual friend said to me, mate, you know, Kieran is incredibly talented. He's also at a stage where he's looking for something. I sat down with him and within that very first conversation, it became apparent that um, he was the guy that I was looking for. Didn't tell him that right away. I made sure that he went and jumped through some hoops um, and he came back and, you know, we created a partnership from there and we've been partners ever since.
0: Now, I'd just like to pause there for a second. So, you know, for people listening to this, you know we've got a lot of people with great ideas and they want to be innovators and you know they're trying to be inspired and motivated, and they're, but they're a lot of times people lose their way. Um, I just want to quickly just summarise something I just heard there because you, know, you did a great job in the storytelling, but I was going to drag a few things out. The first thing is you identified a problem. And it's a lot of times the problems we identify are personally related, personally related. Um, you identified a problem which you have some passion about or extreme interest in, that is a family member. But sometimes we identify problems in sport we have extreme interest in or whatever, food or whatever it might be. So you identify the problem with extreme interest. You came up with a solution after you did your research. So you did a lot of research. You then got hit by the regulatory environment, which is very typical of innovation. And the, way you, the only way you can get through the regulatory environment is you've got to comply Uh, You can't, you can't go against it. You've got to comply. And that requires a great deal of patience. And then before you launch, no one, uh, there's an old Indian saying that the, that the, the old, you know, we're going back to the Mughal period in India. And it's a very old Hindu saying It's in Hindu, written in Sanskrit, not Hindu. Success is often built upon the broad shoulders of others. And really what they're saying is you need partners. I always say it. I always have partners in my businesses. Um, and you're saying here, Chris, that you sought the partnership be Kieran because his skills complemented you but also it's just someone to talk to. Mm. You can't do this stuff on your own. Particularly when you're taking on massive pharmaceutical organisations who have, you know, balance sheets and marketing power and uh, distribution power and you know, regulatory understanding and ways bring you undone, basically mm. as well. So that that was a very interesting introduction by you, and, and, and as well as a great story, but you hit on all the hallmarks of what everybody needs to remember that is listening to the show about setting up a new and an innovative product or service. Now, Kieran, I'd like to hear from you, mate. Like, what's your background? So, how was it you were able to compliment Chris?
2: Um, yeah. So when I first met Chris, um, uh, the first thing I detected. From him was um, the passion and the enthusiasm that he had, and I think that's a key part of success. Um, as he began to explain uh, the offering, you know, it really resonated with me because my background is in fast-moving consumer goods, um, project management, launching products on time and full, um, and I've been doing that uh, for about you know uh, seven years. Um, so. My well, I want to stop background. you there for a second. Yeah. It's really important for the people
0: listening. Again, and I'm going to keep interrupting guys because I, I just want yep. to drag these gems out of you guys. For anybody who's looking at launching a product, particularly a product and a service, perhaps for a product, people with an FG, FMG background or fast-moving goods background, you know, someone who's used to working for Unilever or something like that, who you know, launch products on in Woolworths like Palmolive soap or whatever it is. These guys have a skill as to how to roll the product launch out whether it's marketing, operations, you know, warranties, packaging, manufacturing. It's really important um, if you're going to do a product to get someone into your environment whether a consultant or a partner or a, a staff member or whatever it is who has FMG background. That's what you're talking about now right Kieran? Yeah. So give me your background.
2: Yeah, so where was it? My my background, you want the companies? Yeah. Uh, There's not the ABC. The biggest, <laughs> you were right. Yeah, Unilever, Unilever. I've got the big st- U. First, the first up. Yeah. Yes. Um, you know, I'd I've, I've been. There's through... only two big ones in
0: Australia, anyway. Really, but so Unilever,
2: yep. the biggest. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. And um, it, it's a great company. Um, great processes. And as you mentioned, you need to understand those key milestones to be able to get to that point of success. Um, you know, whether it's doing the due diligence you need in the market to understand the positioning of a product or understanding the actual process and check boxes you need to get to when you have a product on the shelf. Um, And I think, you know, Chris had done a lot of the work around building that purpose into the brand. And uh, it was an easy decision for me to then apply that process to uh, the overall landscape of what Little urchin is, and it is now, um, which was that rigor around process. Rigor, and rigor is a good a word, to Mark. No,
0: no, no, yeah, yeah. actually, a very good word. It's rigor. I mean, and we get it in sporting clubs and stuff like that too. It's, it's rigor about what time training's on and who turns. What time? You got, what you got to do in the training session and what you got to deliver on the field. Rigor is a really important word when it comes to innovation. Innovation is extraordinary, it always comes before rigor. But rigor follows innovation. And I mean, the two walk hand in hand in any successful venture. Absolutely. Um, I would ask you something, Chris, because you know people who are listening used to be saying, "Well, okay, what do, what have I got to?" I don't know. I don't want the details, but what have I got to offer someone like Kieran? I mean, how I mean, do I got to give something away? Because obviously, when you're first setting these business up, you, until you launch, you don't get any dough. I mean, when you launch, you start to get some money, but you've got a lot of costs in the beginning. So, you can't go and say to someone like you, and listen, man, I pay you 350 grand a year and, you know, we we'll get 25% of the profits, you know, et cetera. So, how do you actually entice someone like him into the business? Do you give him equity? What do you do? In this
1: case, equity. Yeah. Um, but uh, I think it, as Kieran said, it was very much a case of our values aligning. So, you know, the vision I had for Little Urchin, the things that we sort of discussed, where we wanted to take the business. That was really important to sort of align at the outset with. It's a,
0: t- a tough thing because I know a lot of people got great ideas and great innovative ideas, new business and new products and services that they will never give equity because it's all mine. Was it hard for you to sort of say, no, no, okay, it is all mine, but you know, I am going to give something away here because I do need this guy. It was that a hard decision for you?
1: Yeah, it was, and you know, I seeked advice from a lot of different people around how much equity and yep. uh, and everybody, you know, everybody has an opinion on no. that. Um, and uh, I w- I knew that I wanted to give Kieran
0: enough that he would be truly a partner. Yeah, you've got to get him. He's got to have some hurt in it. Like he's got to have, he's got to he's got to own it. <laughs> Absolutely. And then I guess you have to pay him a wage too. Because I mean, the thing that always intrigues me. We're not reading the brief on this one, and and the next guest as well. Um, I wonder how you guys fund these things in the beginning. I mean, do you have investors or you've done it all yourselves? We've done it all ourselves to date. Yeah. So how do you do it? How did you do it? I mean, I'm looking at you probably 30 plus, 35? 35, 35 yeah. yeah. Okay. Not a bad guess. Um, <laughs> a lot of it was just over time. It was sort
1: of budgeting. It was realizing that um, I didn't need to launch and do everything at once. I could pay for it. I mean, the the process from when I first started to when we launched in November in 2016
0: was a sort of a good two-year process? So did you have a job at the same time?
1: Absolutely, perfect.
0: Okay, because okay. I mean, I, I always say this: if you got some cash, you got a job. That's your cash flow. Do mm. the other stuff at night and your spare time.
1: That's right. You that, did and that. That's that's exactly how. It so happened.
0: you funded it through your day job, so to speak, monthly your other paycheck. Job. Right, exactly. Okay, Set great. aside
1: and paid for it, and that
0: probably way. you know, um, saved on other expenses and didn't you know just put everything every spare dollar you had. You probably put into the business. Exactly. Okay, perfect. But uh, and how old are your kids? Uh, I I
1: have a seven year old, a seven year old child. Okay, perfect. A
0: daughter, and she's and uh, I presume she's um, this sunscreen that you have um, brought a, um, a sample of in Lurchin. Um, I pres- did you name it after her? Is she a little Lurchin or no?
1: No, the the name is. I mean, it's the name is actually on the back of the pack. It's the, I, I discovered this incredible story of Mother Nature, really at her best. Um, sea urchins actually leave a natural sunscreen on their young when they lay them, they create a sunscreen through the food that they eat and digest. And they're able to, um, coat their young in sunscreen because the young end up floating in the water for several months before they find a place to rest. Um, and they're exposed to ultraviolet rays. So when I learned, you know, really of that incredible story, um, I knew that had to be the name. That's
0: a great name. Perfect. Um, Guys I, I look I, I don't know whether I mean how much, are you making money is you launched a year ago, yeah? Yeah, it's six months ago, five and a half months five ago. Years. So you're making yeah, we're money? we're making money. You're yeah. Making a living out of you like yeah. Not i we're still working. Both um, working, okay. Both still working. So, so okay, so and and what at what point do you start seeking investors, etc.? That's, I mean, that's probably going to be one of our questions for you, Mark.
1: Okay, well, um, throw, throw your questions. Uh, well, let's,
0: let's go to questions.
1: What yeah, are they?
2: In this industry, um, there's a lot of different pharmaceuticals. It's all about scale. It's all about mm. um, getting into uh, a good number of stores. To distribution and scale. Revenue. Yes. Distribution should get which is, to scale. Which is where we're up to now. The yes. Dis- we're looking at the
1: distribution model um, right now, and we are – we're looking to scale the business, um, so we managed to get into you know about one hundred and fifty stores on our own in this.
0: Are they like chemist stores or something?
1: Health food stores, right. pharmacies, um, premium grocery stores, um, places like Harris Farm Markets, for instance. That really allowed us to know that we we're on the right path. That minimum viable product, we got the product where we wanted. It was being very well received. So now we've we've flipped into that scale model. Um, And I guess one of our questions for you is, when scaling a business, um, you know, what are those pitfalls to watch out for? I mean, we we are, neither of us have had um, relationships with distributors before. Um, We have brought on some contractors to help fill in gaps of knowledge we're missing there as well. Um, But we are very much leading into this next summer, looking at how we can get the product as far and wide as
0: possible. Let me ask you a question. Um, both of you. Um, if you're a, if I go into a store, I go into a pharmacy, and do I find this with, where all the other sunscreens are, or do I find it in the natural healthcare? Where do I find it?
2: Uh, in most categories, there are uh, there is the general shelving which has the full category of uh, sunscreens. Yep. Um, within that category, it's segmented um into the natural uh, destination, uh, and that's where you'll find us. Um, so, okay, why would I pick a, this one out? Because we're a premium product. Um, we will generally be at eye level, um, sitting next to more of the premium position. Products. How do you know that? Um, Chris has done a lot of work around formulation. No, how do you know that they'll put you there? Um, we, that comes to the discretion negotiation um, by store and by uh, head office. Um, you know, we, so you're dealing with chains? Yes, we're yep. dealing with uh, chains, but we're actually going independently at this point, you know, right. to really prove the concept up. Um, when it gets to those more head office uh, conversations, then it's a much heavier conversation around, you know, if we're to get scale, um, you know, we need to give a little bit more. Okay, about. let me ask
0: you about pricing.
2: Mm. Where's yes. your pricing? Um there are two ways we look at pricing. Um, one the price is to the,
0: relative to everybody else. Where yeah, is it? so
2: it's about a to the to the general category. Yeah. Um, We're a price premium, probably about a one fifty index, um, which is you know fifty percent more expensive than average. It's is that very, because it
0: costs you more to produce and you're trying to b- bake a bar- margin in? Yes, would natural sunscreens
1: absolutely cost far more to produce. Than would you, than you chemical be based? okay?
0: Would you be would you be able to uh, price equal to everybody else and uh, cop the no margin for a while until you get enough? Um, Enough um, on the shelves, or enough sales, that you can actually go back and produce yeah. the product cheaper.
2: We could, we could do that. Um, what we have understood over the last few months was that our consumer is very different to the general category consumer. They're less price sensitive. Um, they're looking for a more premium product that has added benefits, and that's what we have. Okay, to so offer.
0: okay, I get that. Um, so. How is it I know that Little Urchin is the premium product which I'm prepared to pay more money for? Like some of the words, cause I, mean, I don't know, If I, if I yep. might be not a good survey, but you go to a shop,
2: mm-hmm.
0: people are not going to be standing there reading every every label. And I mean, how is it that people know that? I mean, what what's your marketing plan to tell them?
2: Well, currently... Apart from the show. And, 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 yeah, exactly. The show. This Thank you, mark. mark. This and, is uh, it. We'll this talk is about it. how you... Uh, a whole marketing scale plan. ...scale our marketing plan yeah, exactly. after this. But um, yeah... I think the other part of the pricing which i was going to mention before is um how we compare ourselves to the natural category in the natural category we actually aren't uh the most expensive we're probably sitting um round average um and it's not so price driven um but at the moment in australia there's a good amount of products out there in natural products so there's a good category for it so the current perception around that is it is uh, a little more expensive. People understand that and uh, they know that they're getting a little more out of it. Generally, what you'll find in our, our natural product environment is you know, we tick all the boxes from a UVA, UVB protection point of view. We go through the same process as the more chemical-based ones. Any, any big pharma company that we are competing against we go through the same process which is Um, i
1: think important to to emphasize that we really do you know a natural sunscreen and a chemical sunscreen have exactly the same efficacy standards uh, you know have the exact same approval standards spf broad spectrum uva water resistant testing so i think there's sometimes for some people a misconception that a natural sunscreen won't do the job that a chemical one does that's Absolutely not
2: the case,
0: guys. I mean, to answer your question,
2: yeah.
0: Um, you're giving m- me minutia. Um, I'm interested in the, the the big answer to the big question before I get to the minutia, I want to know why I'm going to this joint, mm. little urchin. You know, you, you tell me why,
2: yeah. Well, it's exactly.
0: not because if it was 10, 10, 10 cents,
2: mm-hmm.
0: that might get me there, yeah. I'm going like, shit, it's really cheap. Well, that might, that's one way to get me there. The the, the 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 I'll be honest, that doesn't get me. The, the yeah. tube is not it was shaped like a phallic symbol, maybe I might be attracted to look at, or if it yeah. was uh yeah pff, some glow in the dark color or something that might get me to look at. It. I'm trying to work out yeah, exactly. why do I grab that off and of say read the back of it and read yeah. about these minutiae yeah that's my question to you or it was, was on the back of a bus for a year, yeah.
2: yeah, what I was getting to is in in the general sun care category you've got your protection, you know you need mm-hmm. that, and that's the most important part uh, What I sort of referred to earlier was the added benefit platforms that is really starting to drive growth. How do I know categories. about that, though? See, on the front of the pack, we have Too late. I out. haven't looked
0: at it yet. Yeah. I mean, why am I grabbing it to read it? Tell me, tell well, me. I mean, there's a lot of education in the market Correct? at the moment. Yep. So when are you going to educate people to direct them to here? Through our marketing. Okay, so what, I just want to know, what
2: is yep. your plan? So I guess, yeah. I guess rec- oh, let's just cut it in the chase. Is, I'll, cut, I guess, I'll tell you, I'll, I give you I'll give you the question. question. <laughs> yeah.
0: I'll give you the question, right? Yeah. you got to go and raise some fucking money and start marketing the thing, okay? That's exactly the bottom line. So, then, I don't know how much money you got to raise, but like, you know, you both know, remember, you know, you can do it like, um, you can base it on price, you know, you undercut everybody else, or you can come out to some sort of program where you put the shit on everybody to attack, you attack Johnson & Johnson, you know, who are, who are friends of mine, to be honest with you, but you are going to chat, attack the, the, the opposition, or you can do a Tommy Hilfiger, who is a little urchin, what does a little urchin do for you, you can run that for a, for a period of time on the back of buses and things like that, I don't know, but you've got to come up with some sort of money, and then that, all of that costs dough. Yeah, and now, uh, yeah, uh, right. and it's more than what you earn, I guess. So, yep. I and that's think, the second part of our
1: question, yep. which was from hearing our story, we're at that stage where do we look to raise seed capital, venture capital? Yeah, I think you
0: do. I think you're. At, I actually think you're at a point now where you need to raise some money yep. to, to go to the next stage. Yep. you need to prepare a pitch, and you need to find somebody who's going to um, distribute not your product, but distribute to investors your concept, yep. your your opportunity. Yeah. for someone to make money. And the game's going to be, I would invest in this if I thought you could achieve scale. Um, at this stage, I don't think you could achieve scale because you don't have the money to do it. Hmm. Then if you say to me, how much money, would you give me the money mark to help me achieve scale? i say, yeah, but if I don't give you the money, you're not going to go anywhere. So you're going to work out how much equity you're going to be prepared to give away. Yes. And that means you've got to give a, get a, get someone to give you some valuations of your business and your business has got to value up. You've got to say, and you've got to get some expert person to write up a believable, enterprise value with this thing based on assumptions, if you sell this, if you sell that many, mm-hmm. if you sell that many, and this is your margin, and show them your pricing plan, how over time you can produce it cheaper and you can maintain your margin but sell it cheaper as well. Mm-hmm. I presume you uh, manufacture a manufacturer here? Or? Yes. Yeah, probably. okay. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's an important thing. I mean, look, China could be become your um, marketplace. I don't know. Mm. You need real expertise in this environment now, and you mm-hmm. really need to do yeah. some serious, serious, serious drill-downs in terms of what investors are looking for. But if you if you raise the capital, I'm sure you'd be able to come up with a marketing program that will get it profile. And probably what you might want to start to consider is um, who is a, I mean, like El McPherson. So Was it not El McPherson? No, what's the other? Okay. Me and Gail did it many, many years ago with Zinc or someone like that, one of those white Zinc or someone like that. But you just might need to get a high profiled person or. With the children, or something like that, you know, saying this is the thing I use. It needs, I think it's going to need endorsement in the marketing yes. plan. But that's that's capital again, and yeah. you might need to give it equity away. Like if somebody, yeah. I'm not saying you can go, but if you go, go to somebody and they passionately believe in you, say, look, here's a percentage for you, yeah. uh, you know, and if we make some money, we'll make, pay some money, but here's a percentage if you, you, you know, and they can see the upside of, it, they'll actually push it harder. Yes, that's yes. what you need to get at profile, and yep. then you can tell your story. Yeah. Your story is great. Mm. And and I'll guarantee the minutiae makes sense to everybody who's interested in natural sun care and products made here in Australia. Yes. Guarantee, but you've got to get the opportunity. You've got to get somehow get the opportunity to tell your story. Now, this is one opportunity, but like you know, a couple hundred thousand people listening this is not enough. No, they're not going to rush off. So oh, I should have better go and buy some little urchin. Um You got to you got to work out a seriously big detailed marketing plan, which is what your investors are going to want. Mm. That's what I think is your next step. Yep, yep. And, you, and by the way, you're doing everything right. And it is at your, your natural next step. You mm-hmm. have got it to the point where this is naturally your next step. You're a couple of young blokes. I think you've got, you've got all the right enthusiasm, which is very extraordinarily important. You've got a great concept. It's modern. Um, it's, it, it has a great story attached to it. I think it seems like you've got your mechanics and your ops right. In other words, you can deliver. In other words, you've got the ability to deliver. Absolutely. You've got your distribution starting to work. So you've got your outlets. Mm-hmm. What you don't have yet is the money to get the marketing plan or the marketing plan to get the money. They go together. Yeah. That's yeah. that's what you've got to do next. Yeah. But guys, all the best to you. I mean, I, I love this. I love when I see two guys still working and pumping out a new idea. It's really Australian. And, and I actually – the thing, I, I mean, I love the story of C- uh, Little Urchin, but I I, I I like the fact that it came from out of um, the desire to do something better for your daughter. Mm. I think that's unreal. Mm. And, you know, you're, you're, I tell you, you both present well. So if you get this pitch right, your investors will come. The sort of people you need to go and see is someone like Etri Ventures, um, General Petrie, <laughs> who is a very early stage um, startup investor or VC investor, very, very early stage. You know, those, those are the guys who are looking for this sort of, these sorts of investments. And the entry venture is a good one. And they just raised a couple hundred million. So they're looking to invest. And they invested $500,000 packages. So anything over five hundred grand or at five hundred grand, they will invest. Good luck, guys. Thank you Thank so you much, very much Mark. Mark. Appreciate, appreciate it. it. Yes, mate. Our second guest is Irene Falcone, who runs nourishedlife.com.au, an online marketplace where people can buy natural skincare and health and beauty products. Okay, Irene, uh, we just had a natural um, skincare product. I would like to know about your natural skincare, health, and beauty products. You sound like you've got a big line of things, as opposed to them, they're just one line of things. What's your deal?
3: That's right. About um, five thousand products at my last count. One of them. Five
0: thousand products.
3: One of them being the sunscreen that you just spoke I'll about. I use. You sell
0: their sunscreen. I do. Oh, indeed. Good on you. Yes. So you're an <laughs> aggregation. You're a marketplace.
3: Um, we're, or a platform. we're we're an online store, mm. yeah. So like um, like a, I guess like um, like an online store mm. that sells um, thousands of different products from um, Australia and around the world. But we also do make our own products as well.
0: Right. So you know because I, I, I often say to um, our listeners um, there's lots of ways you can disrupt marketplaces, and one of the ways of disruption today is obviously. Um, taking away from the physical store that's with an online store but really all, all a, an online store is is a marketplace for a service or a product for a certain category of services or products so is it fair to say that you have built a marketplace that's online it's electronic digital a marketplace for uh, skin care health and beauty products
3: exactly okay. yes
0: and what inspired you to do that? What's your background? Where, where'd that come from, by the way?
3: Oh, I was working um, in corporate. I was actually at Universal Pictures in marketing, doing film. And I, having worked in corporate for probably 20 years at that point, I um, I was becoming increasingly frustrated with, um, well, not being able to see my children, really, that nine-to-five grind in the city. Um, and at the same time, I was starting to, to feel a little bit unwell, Um So I wanted to look into how physically unwell, there was this time where I was walking up the stairs to get to the office and I just had to sit down and I literally couldn't move my legs. They felt like lead. And so I started thinking at that point, and that was the first time I'd ever thought about what it is that I put on my body. And I thought, okay, let's have a look at these ingredients you know, let's look into this more because I was eating fine and I was exercising and and I there was really, um, I really couldn't think about what it was that was making me feel so unwell. And I did some research and I found that women on average put 500 different chemicals on their body every single day. And out of those 500 chemicals, we're talking about things that are hormone disruptors that are linked to serious illness and, um... And so things like parabens. So I decided to go through all of the products and I was a huge beauty junkie. I went through these products in my home and I thought I'll just throw out everything that has parabens in it or, you know, um, artificial fragrances. I had four garbage bags full of products. I threw everything out. I literally had nothing left and I thought, well... What am I going to put on myself now? And that's really when I started thinking I'm going to have to find some natural alternatives to put on. And I couldn't find anywhere to find um, to buy these things in the one spot. So I thought, hmm. And that's when I got the idea for Nourish Life. And and it's not just about selling natural and organic products. It's also about the. Um, the people that work for me, the the women, um, being able to work school hours and, and have that balance and be able to see that children. So I think I married my two passions at that time.
0: Problems which you needed to solve which became passions or you, problems you were passionate about.
3: Yeah, exactly. Or,
0: or maybe outcomes you are passionate about, that is spending more time with your kids and having uh, a healthier body. Yes,
3: yeah, so and now I have both. Yeah. Um. Five years on, and it's um. Yeah. It's amazing just to, to, to look back and think, well, this is what I wanted to do, and then to be able to look back and think, wow, I I actually did it, not just for myself, but for you know the thirty women that work for me as well.
0: So I want to come back to the thirty women in a second because I'm intrigued. I'm intrigued with that. But for the people listening, and we did it on the last with our last guests, and I try to do it all the time. But what we've identified here is a problem. So first off, you you identified a problem or a demand in the marketplace. And that demand came about as a result of you experiencing the issue yourself. And then you came up with an innovation or a solution to the problem. Um, In order to uh, distribute the problem, instead of like our last guest having to go and find pharmacists and uh, stores that will sell their product, you actually created your own distribution base. And that distribution base being online digital marketplace. You built the distribution point. So you don't need to go and find a chemist to distribute your product. You actually found the products, and you made the, the distribution point.
3: Yeah, actually, sort of. Um, I didn't initially set out to actually build a store. I actually just wanted to blog about these products that i um, that I found that were natural alternatives. So actually, in the beginning, I was never a, a shop. I just thought I'd set up a little co op. A you know a community on Facebook where we could put some money in and and maybe buy some products in bulk, and so I would blog about that and I would share that on social media. I had no idea how crazy it would be. How well, many other- about
0: that. No, that? That's great. So you set up a a, a different Facebook account or a, a Facebook account for your product or for Nourished or what did you do?
3: I set up a blog yeah. called Nourished Life yeah. and it was about how to live toxic free in the city. Yeah. And so I then would blog about um, alternative products. So you can use coconut oil as a moisturiser, organic coconut oil, rather than have to use um, you know a moisturiser with parabens in it. Or you can use a natural sunscreen um, with zinc oxide um, rather than having to you know buy a, a mainstream one. in that they work the same. So I'd blog about that, and then people would be like, "Well, this is great for telling me this, but where do I buy these products from?" And so from there. I got the idea to start the the store, so yeah, I set up a just a Facebook page called Nourish Life, and I, you know, I bought, I started by buying five different lip balms, um, for about a dollar each in the US, and then I sold them through the Facebook page for about seven dollars, and then it just went crazy from there. So, you
0: saw, how long did you do the? Uh, how long did you run the blog? Before you started to, before you actually started doing the lip balms, for example.
3: Yeah, I started the blog in two thousand and eleven. Yep. And so, and then Nourish Life Incorporated in October two thousand and twelve. So I was blogging for a good year.
0: So that was your research, it effectively, was, because it told you what the demand was.
3: It was. It was the research, and it was also, um, I think, that just setting up an online store cold. It can be hard, mm. but I had already built uh, such a loyal audience through um, my communication on Facebook and my blog. By the time I had something to sell them, um, I had built up a lot of trust. Trust, and, yeah. yeah.
0: Trust comes with familiarity. I mean, uh, the more I know, think I know somebody, in other words, the more experiences I have with someone, the more I see them or hear them or read them, um, the more um, familiar I become with them, the more I trust them. So you're, you built this trust and or let's call it loyalty trust, Program through your blog. Yes, at the same time you're researching where people most responded to. You okay. saw what they liked and what they didn't like, or what they responded to. Probably more importantly, and off the back of that, you you launched your your shop, your online shop.
3: Yeah, it kind of just fell. I mean, I did. Yeah, just one thing led to another, and the next thing you know, I was on one of you know you can get like a a um, an out of the box shopping card and 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 things pretty cheap online. So I just started out with one of those, and the next thing you know. I'm here with, you know, a custom built website and 5,000 different products. Yeah, but
0: I mean, you are you know, and I, and I think you'd, you've got to give yourself a bit more, um, a, a, a little bit more of a pat on the back. I mean, you, you may well have done it um, in a unplanned, unstructured way, but actually you did it in a totally structured way because you did each step logically and you did it with, uh, with time in between each step and you didn't try to predict anything. You just let the market tell you. That's actually the, the – the, that is the absolute best way to build a plan. That's the best way to build a business plan. So like if I was saying to you, let's sit down, Irene, and, and build up your business plan from day one, I would have said to you exactly the same things. It might not have said take you. I might have said take six months or nine months to do your research and find out what customers want, build some trust and brand and all those sorts of things. You've done this. You sort of bumbled along doing it. But at the same time, I think you applied quite good logic. I don't think – you when you did this, um, you know, you just didn't fall on your feet, so to speak. I, I just think you've done, you've done this in a perfect instinctive way, as opposed to a perfect plan structured way.
3: <laughs> no, but you hit the nail on the head. Before I will tell you this, I have I have to give one hundred percent credit to my readers of my blog and my customers because I actually, interestingly, in the last five years, have not actually done anything where I've really thought about it myself. It's only ever been with what my readers have asked for. And I've removed things they don't want, and I've kept things and adding things that they do want. So it's really has actually been about listening. Yeah, but
0: that's your intuition. I mean, that's hundred percent right. <laughs> Too many people want to get up there and prescribe what everybody should be doing, and they wonder why the bloody thing fucking failed. You know, like in your case, you don't do that. You're saying you tell me what you want exactly, and if I can provide, it, I'll get it for you
3: exactly. But I can't.
0: I've... I can't do everything, but I'll do as many of those things as I can do.
3: Oh, I try and do everything that but they ask can't. me, but you can't. But you can't. No.
0: I mean, they probably want 50,000 products, but you've got 5,000 products. But what you're doing is you're building, and as the revenues come through, you're probably putting more people on to help you build more and more and more. Yes, exactly. Talk to me about the 30 women who work for you.
3: In the beginning, um, as people um, started to buy more and more products, I needed to send them out. (laughs) It's all very well to sell things, but you have to pick and pack them and post them to the customer
0: fast. It's called fulfillment.
3: Fulfillment, that's right, yes. Probably somewhere in the business plan there'd be a fulfillment section. And so in the beginning, I um, gave all the products to a third-party fulfillment center, Mm. and they pick and pack and send them out um, for you. And I thought, that's great. I'll just stay on Facebook and blog and sell products, and they'll just send it out. And I thought, this is- Have a great life. This is the easiest job in the world. Why didn't I do it sooner? And, And honestly, what happened for me was the products weren't arriving at their destinations, and I lost control on my business. And again, I had- Oh, hundreds of emails of complaints from from customers on the way it was packed, things were broken, they didn't have their packages, and there was nothing I could do about it because, you know, the fulfillment center may have closed at five o'clock and I couldn't get in touch with them. So actually it was November. It was November 2013, just before Christmas, and I thought, oh no, what am I going to do? I'm going to have to start my own warehouse. And I had obviously no experience in logistics or setting up my own warehouse, so I thought that's it. I'm just going to get my stock back, and I'm just going to do it myself. So I um, I sold my house and my car, and I got a little. I got two leases: a, a lease on a little house for my family so we could live, and a little house, a little um, warehouse on the northern beaches, a very small one. And I got some racking put in there, and I got all my stock in there. And I sat there at the packing desk, and I thought I'm going to pack it myself, and I realized. I can't do this on my own, so I went to the local school um, where I dropped my children off, and I put a notice up on the notice board to say if there was any other mums that wanted to come and to my warehouse and pack some orders with me, um, you know, while the kids were at school. And I had two or three mums, um, you know, apply, and they came in, and we sat around and we packed the orders, and so it it really um, started from there. And and I realised by doing that how much fun we were having, put the music on, have a cup of tea. We had a really good time and then at 2.30, you know, we all packed up and we picked up our children and it was really nice. And so that was really where that concept started. It was, again, organically, um, just through needing and didn't know where you would put an ad in the newspaper to hire people to pick and pack orders at that time. And so, you know, three mums turned into 20 mums and um, turned into 30 mums, and that's really how, how it happened.
0: Necessities of the mother invention. and you, know, you had a necessity, and um, you being an inventive or intuitive sort of person, um, found the first opportunity that was right there in front of you at your school.
3: Yeah, it was, exactly. And
0: it, that worked out perfectly, because they, all those people who are doing the same thing, helping you, um, have the same needs as you. You probably need to pick your kids up at a certain time, you need to drop your kids off at a certain time. It doesn't matter when packing happens, Packing no, can happen anytime as long
3: as the, it's done before the Australia Post truck comes you yeah. know yeah exactly
0: i was going to ask you who does your uh, last mile the delivery piece for you how do you get the how do you get the items delivered
3: we do use australia post yep. um i use australia post um f- for an interesting reason actually because i know there's a lot of players in the market and mm-hmm. australia post are definitely not not going to be the cheapest and they're not perfect However, Australia Post for me has um, a history about it where I personally find that um, my customers my customers are mums with kids and they're sort of my age, they're sort of in their 30s and 40s, and we grew up with Australia Post. And when our parcels don't arrive, but we know it was sent Australia Post, I think there's a level of trust still. Um, rather than if we send it on a, on an unknown sort of cour- new WhizBank courier service, and they might go. Well, why do you use that WhizBank courier service just to save money? I didn't get my package, so I kind of I use them. I guess for the trust factor that, that we have with them,
0: and we trust them because we see them all the time. We see a Post vans everywhere.
3: Yeah, they're not We're, going anywhere. We know we've been with them forever. That's right, and it just feels safe for me. And you know they've done a they've done a great job. So I'm you know no one to put per- <laughs> when it comes to delivering packages. Um,
0: there's no perfect solution, hundred percent. Yeah. Especially, and that's one of the bane's of, you know, the online environment. I mean, how am I going to get fulfilment? How am I going to get that last mile? How am I going to, from a, from the vendor's point of view, being sort of like the vendor, um, how am I going to get that package to somebody's home? Because the reason people go online is so they don't want to have to have the inconvenience of going to the shop.
3: They um, want it so fast. And though. they want it quickly. Correct. Yeah.
0: They want it fast, and and they want to make sure what they order they get which is why, and they want to make sure it's in good condition, which is why you got these mums into the into your warehouse. Have you still got the same warehouse?
3: Oh, no, <laughs> no, not anymore. No, we've got um, um, two um, much bigger warehouses now, still on the Northern Beaches, and we actually have um, a little shop front, so customers can come in and they can place their orders now on iPads and um, a little bit like McDonald's, really, but you're buying organic skincare and then the mums will come out and bring their products to now, them. Now, who
0: vets all this stuff? <laughs> like Who makes the decision what comes onto your... Uh, Web page.
3: Oh that's interesting so it's what I won't stock that makes me different to everybody else so we have a um, a matrix that we've worked on with um, a team of scientists and naturopaths and also we work the natural and the certification boards around the world and so we've built this matrix on ingredients that um, are potentially harmful to our bodies and also potentially harmful to our environment as well so and if one of the ingredients in one of the products might include one of those, then we, we won't stock it and actually um, very often formulas change and I've had to pull them and do recalls because of um, ingredients that have popped in um, that, that we won't stock and so for us that's our most important thing.
0: Because your reputation, uh, your brand can yeah. you get ruined in a, in a heartbeat if you put the wrong product on
3: there. Oh, Absolutely and for cus- if a, if a, if a supplies um, – changes that ingredient and it gets to a customer and you know w- it's very hard to stay on top of f- four or five thousand different products. Mm. The customer will tell us on social media in front of everybody mm. um, and that's a massive crisis for us so um, it's something that we yeah focus on a lot.
0: And what's your turnover?
3: Um, we're um, on track to do 20 million this year. In revenue that's very in good. revenue yes. Very good and, uh,
0: and, is, and the business has been going five years. Um, most startups after five years, just starting to make a profit, maybe. Um, how are you going?
3: Yeah, um, yeah we're making, we making we make a profit and we put all of that profit back into hiring more. Mums more or more staff. They're not all mums as well. We have a great um, team of university students as well, and they're all study, studying environmental science and sustainability. So we have that great balance. And it's interesting because school holidays, you need the uni students to come and pick and pack because the mums are at home with the kids. Yeah, that so that makes sense. Yeah, so it's not just all mums. Um, but uh, yeah. That's a great
0: little business. Well done. Like uh, I just think it's sort of all packaged up. I mean, and the way you sort of presented it, it's like you, you know, it just all happened. But I think that I think there's a, a certain sense of um, you being um, humble. I mean, I say that there's, you know, you've done a lot of thinking, and you're obviously a very bright person, and you must have some good skills from your history uh, and uh, history and experience to be able to put all this together. And obviously, you've got a good people skills, and you're recognizing the opportunities to bring people into your business. So, I, congratulations! But what one question would you like to ask me, for example? Because I've been doing all the asking here.
3: Oh, I've got a great question for you, mm-hmm. and I, I think everybody wants to know this, so I'd love your really? opinion. This could be anything. <laughs> Here we go. How do you think Australian online retailers can arm themselves against Amazon coming? Whoa. Big question. I know. I'd well, love your opinion on that.
0: Well, Amazon stands for everything, mm. it doesn't stand for any one particular segment. And I always think that there is always, no matter how big the massive organisations are, whether it's Woolworths or Coles or Amazon or the big banks, any of the big, big, massive marketers, there is always room for a segment specialist, where people will trust the segment specialist. Now, that comes up. You are only going to be able to do that as if, if, if you continue to market your own brand and to actually stand for something that. But at the same time, I think there is opportunity for someone like you to stand outside of those big organisations where I go and buy everything. So, Amazon's a scary organisation. You can't take them on. I don't. I'm not suggesting you should try and fight Amazon because you won't be able to beat them. They'll just squash you, and they'll outmarket you, and they'll out distribute you. They'll out do everything. What you've got to do is take your rules to a different football field and play a totally different game. And that is, you are the specialist in skincare and health and all those other things you stand for, and make it, you put yourself out there on the side, and ultimately, if you can, can maintain your market share, the sort of outcome you wanted to be heading for, is that Amazon says, well, let's buy her.
3: Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That's
0: that's you, that's when you know you've done it. Yeah. Now I did it in Wizard, okay, and I've yeah. done it Yellowbrick Road, so. What I did at Wizard is um, I, I can't take – people think I took the big banks on. No, I didn't take the big banks on. I actually offered a different product, different price range, a different service, I did a, a, something totally different. And I took 5 6% market share. The result of that is that the, the big guys, they, saw, they they saw me as a specialist, so the best thing for them to do was actually go and try and take me out of the market, buy me, own me, and they didn't do that. I, I sold at General Electric, but same deal. General Electric wanted to enter the financial services market in Australia, so they thought they'd go and buy this this, this entity. So there is lots of precedents how to take on these massive organisations. Unfortunately, Amazon's the biggest in the world, um, but it doesn't ma- doesn't make any difference. The the concept of not playing their game and playing your own game is the answer, and you've got to actually di- differentiate yourself enough and specialise enough and continue to build your own community. You'll never be as big as Amazon, but I don't think you want to be.
3: No, I just don't want them to kill me.
0: But they won't or kill Or anybody, no,
3: Australian retail in general.
0: But a- Amazon stands for everything. It doesn't stand for any one particular thing. Mm. You don't stand for everything. You stand for one particular thing. Yes. And that's you've got to keep standing for that one thing. Now it might mean that you have to invest more money in marketing mm. and or promos, or you might have to just get a bit more – I don't know if you need to invest more money. You seem to be clever enough to work out how to promo. You know, maybe you've got to get much more active on your blogging. Maybe you've got to um, find people who want to talk about you. Maybe you've got to ha- get a, a segment on, um, you know, Sky News or on Triple M or a segment where you do it for free.
3: Mm.
0: You know, you offer your content for nothing. It's only 10 minutes or 20 minutes, but your content is valuable to the broadcasters. The broadcasters, one thing they all need, all of them, is content, mm. and they like content that is presentable. So you're a presentable person. You know your marketplace. You're doing well, and you all you're doing is presenting a specialised version of a segment in the market that forms part of the total market of Amazon. And t- Amazon don't talk about um, what importance of healthcare care, no, or skincare. You know they don't. Amazon don't tell any stories other than their own story about themselves. You know, Jeff yeah. Bezos talks about himself and what Amazon's going to how they're going to take the world on. They're going to have global communities. That's Amazon's story. Yours, your story is about what people should be looking out for: parabens, the things that sit in the bag that you threw out. Yeah, you're the reason, so right. The thing that you feel bad about, what was making you feel unhealthy, how happy you are, how I'll give a great example, a great example. Why do we vote for independence in parliament? That's, that's a great the reason. example. That's the reason. You're <laughs> yep. the independent. Yes. And everything yep. we do in business, we are winning votes, okay? Yes. We are all winning votes. No matter what it is. So, you have to be in the Senate. And you have to be an independent member. And you have to stand for something and that will you will win a certain segment of the market and that's all you need.
3: You're so right. That's fantastic. Awesome advice.
0: Hey. That's <laughs> what I do. <laughs> I love your business. I I really quite like your uh, humility, the way you go about it. You have a persona about you that um, is uh, disarming. But at the same time, I know you know what you're talking about. And sometimes I think you're actually trying to trick me because you're trying to uh, play it down a little bit. But I think you're very bright. You've got a great little business. Um, I think you've got a good lifestyle around it too. That's one of the most important things. I think so too. You've got a brilliant story about it. You're delivering good things to Australians and and hopefully globally. And fuck Amazon. Don't worry about it.
3: (laughs) (laughs) Indeed. (laughs) Thank you. You're welcome.
0: This has been the Mark
1: Boris Podcast. You can follow Mark on Twitter at Mark Boris
3: and find out more at markboris.com.au.